0: Welcome to today's episode of Believe in the Power of You podcast with Andrea Joyce. I am your host, Andrea Joyce, and I'm the author of 31 Ways to Self-Care, Seeing Past the Storm, and Five Steps to Overcoming Unforgiveness. All three books are available either on my website, which is andreajoyce.net, Amazon, or Barnes & Noble. Thank you in advance for your support. So this week on Believe in the Power of You podcast with Andrea Joyce, I want to look at healing. Healing is a process. We heal in different ways and in different areas. We can heal in our minds, in our bodies, in our spirits, in relationships, in our finances. Healing is matters it's important to do especially before you do something else or get involved in something new healing takes time though and I don't want you to rush the process I want you to take it step by step to ensure that you're healthy now you may not be fully healed I don't think anyone is ever 100% healed of any and everything. However, you can be healed enough where you're healthy and able to walk into healthy relationships, healthy business plans, healthy purpose. But it's all about you healing from things that you may not even know need to be healed. After the break, we'll get into, healing is a process. Greetings and welcome to Believe in the Power of You podcast with Andrea Joyce. I'm your host, Andrea Joyce, and I'm excited to speak with you today. Well, so the name changed. Because it was Straight Talk with Andrea Joyce. And I noticed while talking with you and sharing things with you that I wanted something a little deeper than just straight talk. I wanted to also uplift you and empower you. I wanted you to know how great you are and how much you're necessary and needed in the world. And as I took time to work on it, I began writing a new book which will be coming out in 2022, believe in the power of you. And as I began writing it, I saw more and more how that's my mantra. That's what I stand on. I want you to believe in the power of you, the power that's already in you that may have been quenched, silenced, ignored, pushed to the back burner. I want that power to come out. I want those goals, those dreams to be accomplished. I want you to have good success and many victories. And so I'm glad that I have this platform to talk with you and share with you on you, how to ignite that power that's in you, how to uplift you, how to encourage you and how to empower you so you can get those things that you may have forgotten about, or you think that you can't get because of circumstances and situations, or what people said to you, or the things they didn't say, or the support that was lacking. So in spite of all of that, in spite of what your bank account looks like, in spite of what people have said to you, in spite of even your doubts and fears, I wanna push you and propel you into your purpose and to be successful. And when I say purpose, I'm not just speaking about a business, a company, a corporation, a foundation, an initiative, um, a ministry, a book, a song, an album, a career. I'm talking about holistically. I'm talking about in your relationships, in your health, in your finances, in your spirituality, every part and every facet of you, your mental, your emotional awareness, health. Yeah, I wanna be able to help you in all aspects. And so Believe In The Power Of You is going to reach out weekly with different areas that affect us and may be holding us back from prospering. We are going to fulfill purpose. We are going to fulfill destiny. And it is my honor to be on this journey, to be on this ride with you. So after the break, we're going to dig right into Believe in the Power of You with Andrea Joyce. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So we're talking about healing today. And I really want to get into it so you understand that healing is a process. As I said before the break, you can heal in different areas. You may need healing from a relationship, healing from business matters, healing from church hurt. You might need healing in your mind, healing in your spirit, healing in your soul, healing from circumstances. There are many different ways and in many different areas to heal. And I feel that you can heal from anything, be healed. And I believe you can be completely healed, but there's still going to be some things that may come up that may happen. I don't believe anyone is a 100% healthy in every area of their life because I imagine, this is just me, that if you're healthy in a 100% of every area of your life, that's perfection. And I know that there are no perfect people. So I just wanted to address what I had said earlier about being healed. You can be healed from things. Absolutely. 100% you can. I just don't think there's anybody walking in 100% health at all times. Um, I believe that's perfection. Now, you can send me a message. You can voice message me here. You can email me at AuthorAndreaJoyce at gmail.com with your thoughts on that. Um, I know that there are healthy people, but there's still things within them that need work. I just want to make it clear because I don't want anybody to call me or um, message me or leave me a voice message saying, oh, I'm 100% healthy. I don't know what you're talking about. The doctor says I'm good. I want you to look at your total life and say, are you healed and healthy in every area of your life? Are you healthy in all your relationships? And take a real look at yourself. I don't want you to look at it from your perspective. I want you to look at it in truth and in honesty. And sometimes that's hard because we have to take a hard look at ourselves. And sometimes there are things that we see that we're not comfortable with, things that we're not good with, things that we don't like, things we've brushed under the carpet. For example, if you're someone that's good in every area, but someone mentions fathers or mothers, you instantly become incensed, (laughs) you become angry, you become hostile. There's a reason. There's a reason for that. If you're a person that's good in every area, but someone shows up to your house a few minutes late, or you are waiting for someone for a little while and you become enraged, uh, you have an attitude, angry, um, you might want to take a look at that. If you have to do something over and over and over and over and over again To get it right, because you're a perfectionist, you may want to look at that. Um, Someone who is not satisfied, no matter how hard you try or no matter how hard people, um, how they do things, you're still not satisfied. You may want to take a look at that. See, our definition sometimes of healthy is different. We think we're healthy because things happen and we don't pop off. We don't get overly anxious. We're not fearful. We don't get angry and turn into the Incredible Hulk. And we think we're healthy, but there may be some sore spots that you're holding back, that you're hiding, that you've buried, and you've never really dealt with them. Your way of dealing with hot button issues is to ignore them, sweep them under the carpet, walk away from them, don't address them. That's not a healthy behavior. Healthy behavior is there's an issue or a problem or something has happened to you in your present or in your past. Looking at it in the face and in time dealing with it. Dealing with it until it is truly gone. There's no more sore spot. There's no more point of contention. There's no more you... You know, if your foot gets stepped on, now you want to kill somebody and choke them out. When in reality, it just reminded you of the time 20 years ago when someone did something to you they never apologized for. So this is why we're talking about healing today. Because I want you to understand that no matter how much you sweep things under the carpet. No matter how much you pile things down. No matter how much you ignore things or your mind covers things for you, at some point in your life, those things you've never dealt with, those things you've never looked at, those things you've never healed from are going to come to the forefront and they may not come in the area you think they will. They may not come from a relationship because you had a relationship heartbreak. They may not come from a business deal because you've had problems in business and trusting people. It may not come in a church because you've had church hurt. You've been, um, you know, led astray or whatever. It may not come that way. It may not even come from the person who caused it or the people who caused it in the first place. Sometimes an innocent bystander gets it because you didn't deal with it from the person or or people who did the villainous act or actions to you. So you make an innocent party the scapegoat. And that's not fair. That person didn't do it to you. But because you didn't address the issue when it happened, or you didn't get help for it, at a a later time, because I do recognize and realize that there's some things that happen in our childhood that we're not able to deal with at that time because our brains and bodies are still immature. So they don't know how to handle them. So we do need help. We do need to talk about it. We do need to get it out eventually. It may not happen when we're five. And then there may be times where it comes out in us acting out. When we're 10 or 15 or 20, but it's at the point where we start maturing and recognizing what was done to us, what was said to us, how we were alienated or neglected or how we were rejected, that we need to start touching on those sore spots. I know they hurt. It's just like a sore on your leg or once you've had a procedure or um, a surgery. It hurts, it hurts. If you touch it, it hurts, ouch, ouch, ouch. But what do doctors tell you after a procedure? Don't lay around too long, otherwise it's going to be hard for you to what? Heal. When you have surgery, and I had a major surgery in 2015, I had to rest and recuperate at first. But then my doctor said after a few weeks, I need you to start getting up, because I had to use the bathroom anyway, so I had to get up, but not just walk to the bathroom to take care of your daily duties, but I need you to start walking around so your body gets used to movement, because if you know anything about bodies, if they stay at rest too long, you have to relearn some things, right? You have to relearn how to walk, relearn how to make your muscles go. If you've been laying down in it, your muscles begin to tighten. Your bones, you know, they they become stiff. So you have to have activity in order to make the healing happen. Healing does take time. Healing is a process, but healing is also something you need to be active in. Healing doesn't happen for you until you work healing. It happens when you have movement, when you do something, when you get up off of whatever it is and begin using it, moving it. Walking in it. And so I want to suggest to you today, it's so easy when we're hurt and in pain to just lay there and allow life to happen to us instead of us taking life by the reins, by the hands and saying, I am going to change the outcome. I'm going to change my position. I'm going to change the rhetoric. You can take control. And I know it sounds crazy, and I know you're like, um, but I'm hurt. I'm heartbroken. I have bitterness and resentment now. It's too late for it to manifest. It's too late for me to heal from it. It's too late for me to make changes. And I disagree. It's never too late to heal from something. You could be 90 years old and heal from something that happened when you were four. The point is to realize, recognize, accept, acknowledge that there is an issue, that there is a problem. You know, when you're a kid and you're outside and you're playing, you may be playing hide and go seek. I hope y'all still play outside, (laughs) I know, uh, kids I'm talking to. And you know, adults need to play too. That'll be another episode. We'll talk about that, but... When you were a child and you were outside playing, you might have fallen down and gotten a boo-boo. Remember our parents used to call them boo-boos? And we wanted to keep playing. So we would keep, we'd cry a little bit, try to brush it off. We may have this big wound on our kneecap. And I'm talking from experience because I was one, the the proverbial tomboy, right? (laughs) And I had a boo-boo on my leg and it bled and I cried. But I wanted to keep playing with my friends. I wanted to keep life happening. So I ignored the boo-boo, kept playing until it got to a point where my leg hurt so bad, I had to go get help for it. And it was when I acknowledged, admitted, and accepted that I had a boo-boo on my leg that I was able to get help for it. I was able to say, okay, I want to play. I want to keep being with my friends, but this wound is aching. It's stinging. It hurts. Oh, my gosh. It feels like the skin is trying to come off my leg. And so I'd go into the house and show my mom, my boo-boo. She was good at boo-boo taking care of. of. Um, And I would show it to her. She would rinse it off with water, dry it off. Sometimes she would have to either put alcohol, which, good God Almighty, if you have an open wound, pouring alcohol on is the worst. Let me be clear. I hated those moments. Sometimes she would pour peroxide on, which stung a lot less. Both had healing healing in them. Both had healing in them. And so, regardless... The water, it had healing properties. The alcohol had healing properties. The peroxide had healing properties. We had um, the gel that you would put on your leg to heal it. That had healing properties. And after my mother would put one of the three on there, because the water was constant, (laughs) you were going to have to be washed off. Then my mother would put a Band-Aid on my wound. Now, my leg was good enough that I could go back outside and play. But guess what? Once the Band-Aid was put on it, after a day or two, my mom would do the unthinkable. She would come look at my leg and take the Band-Aid off, rip it off. And I'm sitting there like the Band-Aid is covering and holding in my wound but my mother would say, take the Band-Aid off and allow the wound to get fresh air. Allow it to heal because your skin can heal itself. It doesn't need the Band-Aid. The Band-Aid is taking away the light. The Band-Aid is covering up the wound when what the wound need is some oxygen. The wound needs some air. The wound needs to feel regular and natural. It needs to be out there. And I would argue to no avail because the Band-Aid was not coming back and nor was a new one being put on because my mother didn't play about her Band-Aids. You got one. (laughs) You know, that was it. And so the Band-Aid would come off. Now I'm outside and the kids are seeing, you know, the wound that I had and what it looked like. And they make their commentary. But after a while... After they saw my wounds exposure, we moved on back to playing and it would become a point that I would forget about the wound as it was healing until you started feeling the skin heal because you felt a tightening on your leg. You felt on your knee. You, you'd feel that like it was clenching together. And when I would look down, there would be like a covering of skin over the wound That was like a pinkish color. It was unnatural to what uh, my skin looked like. And then once that layering came over, what I noticed was that in time, my skin looked exactly like the skin before. And maybe there might have been like a little line on my leg. I would no longer be able to see where I had this wound on my leg. It was healed. And I use that example to let you know that healing is a process in every area of your life and it can happen for you. I want you to follow the process. Every process is not the same. There are some things that you can heal from without any assistance from anybody else. Because I was a child then, my mother was the one who helped me in my healing process. She trained me on how to take care of myself if I ever got a boo-boo. So when I was away in college, I couldn't call and fly my mom in to take care of a boo-boo for me. I had to take the steps that I had seen her use. And believe me, alcohol was never a part of my healing process as an adult. (laughs) Um, I still have it around, but that's the last choice instead of the first choice. And I learned to heal myself. I learned the measures. Well, if you've never seen healing, then you don't know what healing looks like. If you've never asked for help or tried to get help, you'll never know what the process of healing looks like for you. There are some things that happen in our lives that are easily healed. Likewise, there are things in our lives that do take a while, may take months or years to be healed from. Well, today I want you to know that healing is a process and it's a process that can happen. But first, you've got to accept, acknowledge, admit that there is a problem that there's an issue, that something is wrong, that everything is not copacetic, everything is not good with you. And so in that process, I want you to understand that you can be healed. You just have to take some steps. There are some steps that You can do or can't do, remember the alcohol, the peroxide, the healing gel, the, you know, the gel that we get in the store. I don't know what to call it, except it's an antibiotic that you put on your leg, an antibiotic gel. And so you can do one of those steps. There are people who go right from water to band aid. There are people who go right to water and don't do anything else. So your healing process may not look like everybody else's, but there are some steps that are necessary in order for you to be healed. You cannot be healed if you never acknowledge that there is a problem. How can you heal from something when you don't believe you have that issue? How can you heal from something when you and your mind feel you're all good because then you don't have a problem to heal. You don't have a problem that needs to be healed. And so I want to say to you today that if you have an issue, we need to talk about it first. And the first person you talk to that issue, talk about that issue to is yourself. There's nothing like walking around thinking everything is great in your life when everything isn't. Now, if everything is great, that's wonderful. Then we don't need to go any further in this. But if there are some things that you've had to deal with, there are some things that have happened to you, there are some things that have weighed you down, those are the things that need to be addressed. Because here's the thing, not acknowledging them, not admitting them, not accepting them, don't make them go away. They're still there. They're just bottled up. And I want you to think of a bottle of soda right now. You can think of Pepsi or Coke or ginger ale. You know, if you shake up those bottles, Sprite, oh, Sprite is, yeah, Mountain Dew, you shake up Dr. Pepper. Look, I'm going to name all the sodas I like, Mr. (laughs) Pib. You shake those bottles of soda up and you open them. What happens? They explode all over the place. That is an explosion waiting to happen. Instead of bottling up your issues, your hurts, your pains, your feelings of bitterness, rejection, neglect, lie, being lied to, betrayal. Instead of bottling up the negative, negative things that you have had happen in your life, unleash them. And I don't mean you're going to take it out on people. That's not what I mean by unleash them. What I mean is look them in the face and say, I have a problem. This happened to me. This hurt me. This, 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 this made me, you know, stumble a little bit. I fell. I failed. Those things need to be spoken to yourself. So you recognize all is not well with me. Now, I'm not telling you how to get a spot on the news and say, you know, news at 12, Andrea failed. But Andrea needs to say to herself, hey, this failure hurt me. This made me afraid to try again. Do you see why it's important? Because what I just used as, as an example, I failed at something and I never dealt with that failure. My way of dealing with it is ignoring it. However, I don't try anything new because it hurt me when I failed that first time. I'm using that as an example, but that's a real life story. There is a time I failed big. And because of that failure, I've moved away from trying something in that area. Can I be honest with you? Can can I be transparent? When I was 17, I went to college. I went to an HBCU, my family school. I was not ready to go to college. Let me tell you why. All my life, I had been in the house, basically. Uh, My parents were very, very strict. I wasn't allowed to do things that, to me, normal teenagers did, go to the mall and hang out, go to the movies with friends, hang out till 10 o'clock at night. I wasn't allowed to do those things. My mother worked nights, and my dad was a workaholic. So my my son, I was about to say, my brother and I had to be in the house and in bed by seven o'clock. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you real. I'm I'm giving you uh, real facts. Until we got a little older, that might have been my elementary school days. You know, all the way up to eighth grade, we had to be in bed at seven o'clock, even in the summertime. I have friends; they out we are they were outside uh, playing. My best friend lived across the street from me. I used to get teased about this. They used to talk about me so bad and talk about my mother so bad because of how strict she was. Because I couldn't even have phone calls. Like, my mother would take the phone off the hook. And this is because she had to sleep, right, before work. Because she worked the night shift. She worked, um, at first, she worked 11 to 7. Then she went to working from 7 to 7. When she did that, we were in the house, phone off the hook at like 5 o'clock. So I didn't have a normal upbringing where people get to talk on the phone. I would have to sneak the phone off the hook, put it back on the hook, dial friends, take that extension, that long kitchen extension, and be in the corner talking to my friends, and then hang up in time so that when my dad came in, he wouldn't catch me on the phone. I'm being honest because I need you to understand the reasoning behind some things. I wasn't able to date until my senior year of high school, but I snuck and had boyfriends before then. As a matter of fact, my first boyfriend, I was 11 years old. I'm being real and honest with you. Well, yeah, because he was 12, I was 11. Um, And we we didn't do anything I did kiss him when I got older not when I was 11 because at 11 I still was like "eh, boy's ilk but he's really cute um, I didn't kiss him until I was like 13 I think um, but nothing further than that happened because I didn't understand anything really about dating I just knew that my mother gave me a book and the book didn't make sense so I'm being honest with you I want you to be real now I thought you could get pregnant by kissing so i was really terrified when i kissed him i'm just telling you what i'm telling you so i had a strict upbringing i was very naive because my parents coddled me and i didn't know things i read about things and this is one of the problems with reading things and not living them your mind takes its own spin on how something should happen how something should go down Instead of you experiencing it and knowing how it may happen and how it may go down, because even if you experience it, it doesn't mean you're gonna it's gonna happen that way every time. This is why, <clears throat> with jobs, I think it's more important to have experience in a thing than an education behind it because you learn with books, unless you apply it, you only learn what your mind can conceptualize. But when it's hands-on, you know pretty much what can happen. Does that make sense? I think the best learning is learning by reading, but then by doing. That's my take on it. So for me, if you have experience in a thing, I'd rather that than you just have knowledge of a thing. That's just me. A lot of the world doesn't feel that way. That's just me. I think experience is more important than anything. However, moving on. When I went to college at 17, I was immature. So though I was 17 in age, I might've been like 15, 14 in my mind. I was still playing. Heck, I had just stopped playing with Barbie dolls. I'm just being honest. I'm saying what I'm saying. I just stopped playing with Barbie dolls, went to college. And now a person who had no freedom who was bound in the house, I wasn't even able to do sleepovers. I was not allowed to go to anybody's house and spend the night, nor was I allowed to bring anybody over to my house to spend the night. I didn't even know what that was like, what that world was. So I had never shared a room with anybody. I had my own room, so I never shared a room with anybody. Even when we had company come over, we had another bedroom up in the attic that was beautiful. So they would stay up there in the guest room. Never, ever had to share my room. Um, I'm just trying to think of things. So you're taking this 17-year-old naive girl who really has the mentality of a 14 or 15-year-old, putting her in a room. First of all, I lived in New Jersey. I went to school in South Carolina. You put her hundreds of miles 200 or so miles away no it's more than 200 miles but however many miles away from what she knows you put her in a room that is not even as big as her room at home and she has to share it with a stranger i just want us to be clear so you taking me out of all of my comfort zones Because now I'm far away from what I know is comfortable. I'm in an atmosphere with someone that's a stranger. As a matter of fact, everybody is a stranger because I don't go to school with anyone I went to school with. And then I had to share in a capacity I've never had to share before. If I wanted my music loud, I turned it up loud. If I didn't want to make up my bed, okay, that was never an option because my mother always made me make up my bed, so I take that back. Um, If I wanted to wash clothes at my mom's house, there was a specific day and my mother washed clothes. You didn't touch her washing machine. Now you're asking me to wash clothes for myself, never having really washed clothes. Okay, and then to top it all off, I have independence. I do not have to answer to anybody. Okay. So everything in 17 years I learn go out the window. It goes out the window. And now I have to relearn this new life at 17, immature and naive. I'm using this as an example because parents, I want to talk to you for a minute. I don't want you to be loosey goosey with your kids, nor do I want you to be a strict person with your kids. It's a detriment to your children. I'm not trying to give you parenting advice, but take it from one who's been a child of strict parents and a parent that was strict with her kids because that's what I knew. I had to learn to let go because I was starting to see behaviors that I had when I was trying to be strict. Trust your children to do the right thing with what you taught them when they were kids, when they were young. If you establish trust in them, if you give them the things they should do and the things they shouldn't do, They may not always get it right, but they ain't going to go too far to the left. You have to balance parenting with trust and discipline. So the things that I didn't have access to, the things I wasn't talked to about, the things I wasn't told are the very things that I got involved with. So. Having honest, open conversation and having a little leeway, allowing them a little leeway, trusting them, that helps them. That's better for them. Now, I'm not telling you to be loosey-goosey. Anything they want, anything they want to do, give it to them. No, they're not adults. However, let them talk on the phone. Let them hang out with their friends. Then you can see the behavior if you don't allow them to do things how can you see what they're going to be able to handle you're not going to know what you need to tighten up on if you don't give them the the rope to go so i didn't have that i was all the way i was hemmed up (laughs) tight tight underneath my mama's skirt so when i got to college hundreds of miles away from home and I was free. I freely lived my life. I wasn't ready for college. Honestly, if I were to go to college, I should have gone somewhere close to home where my parents still could have checked in on me. And I would have had the fear of, oh heck, my parents may show up this weekend. Let me not go too crazy. My parents may call. They may send for me to come home. Let me get myself together. That would have helped more. If my parents had given me more leeway growing up, then being on my own wouldn't have been such an amazing feat. I would have been used to it. I'm like, okay, I'm used to hanging out 10, 11 o'clock at night and getting my butt in the house. So it's nothing for us to have a curfew and me not break it. Because I did that. We had curfews at the dorm, I think it was midnight. Heck, I had never been out till ten. So you talking about midnight, I went crazy. And then if we didn't make midnight curfew, we would call the dorm and or throw window, I mean a rock at someone's window, let us in. Sneak us in. It wouldn't have been a thing if I had already been doing these things. You know, so, okay, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. It didn't go well. It was a failure. I stayed in South Carolina for two years. Mm, I don't think I got one credit. I'm being honest. I want to be transparent because I'm trying to help you. So it was a failure. It was a failure to myself, to my parents, to my family, to my church because they sponsored, you know, me They gave me some money to go to Delta, the Deltas, because they had a Delta Teens program. They gave me a scholarship to go. They gave me money to go. And so I let down a lot of people. And here's what happened. When I let down all those people, they made me know that I let them down. They were very vocal in I let them down. So... Every time I turned around, I was getting the information that I let them down, that I failed, that i I, how could I do this? They did it verbally and non-verbally. So when they looked at me, I saw the disappointment. When they were around, they made note of it. I can't believe you dropped out of school. I can't believe you wasted my money. I can't believe you wasted your parents' money. Look at you. Everybody else in our family graduated from college. You don't even have a college degree. Oh, it was years in the making. And I was bitter. Oh, I was mad at myself. I was like, I had a chance to be free from my family and I messed up. I'm telling you the honest truth. I had an opportunity to make something of myself and become the lawyer I wanted to become. I had the opportunity to graduate young. I was 17 when I started. Most people start college at 18. My best friend and I were young, the youngest ones in our crew. Everybody else was 18. We were 17. And so I replayed this failure Over and over and over and over because it was a failure and people never let me forget it. So instead of just holding on to the failure myself and beating myself up, I had other people that were helping me beat myself up. Every time I was in mixed company around people, someone had a comment Well, Angie dropped out of school. Angie didn't finish school. Angie didn't graduate. Angie wasted her parents' money. Angie this, Angie that. It became a constant record that played. Andrea is a failure and a big time failure because it happened in front of everybody. Now, while I was in school, oh, I was doing everything I shouldn't have done. I didn't or not doing the things I should have done. I didn't go to school class. I had an eight o'clock class Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I didn't go there because I wasn't awake. I was doing all the things I was not allowed to do when I lived in my parents' house. Now, I realize I wasn't 21. So there's some things that I would not have been allowed to do. But it was the mere fact that you won't let me do anything. So I'm going to do everything. I did illegal things, immoral things, because now I can do everything and anything and nobody can check me. One day I'll get into some of the things that I did. I'm actually going to probably put it in a book (laughs) because I'm going to have to go and hide it. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think my mom's going to be too happy when she sees that one. But I say all of this to say I failed and it was in front of everybody and everybody reminded me, heck, they still remind me of it. So guess what happened? I wanted to go back to college. I want my degree. That's something I want for myself. But because of the failure, then any time I got into the position to finish school, to go back to school, I'd be interested for two seconds, then I'd drop it. And I never understood why, if I wanted my degree, I'd drop it. Well, one of the things was, first of all, I didn't know what my major should be because I didn't know at 17, when I no longer wanted to be a lawyer, what I wanted to do with my life. So I didn't even know what interested me at all then the bigger issue was i failed not only am i rehearsing i failed but my entire family is rehearsing i failed the people around me are rehearsing i failed can't really feel comfortable in church because i failed i'm not no i'm no longer involved in some of the activities i was involved in at home because i failed and I didn't want to hear it. So I became so defensive that I, I was already defensive over things that happened when I was a child. My parents divorced. My father's neglect and abandonment. Rejection issues. Having problems with the, my skin tone. So many other things were happening. I didn't need this too. And so this failure became a record that I played. Even as I applied to other colleges, but I never realized it because I never what dealt with that fact that I had an issue and healed from it. So it destroyed my collegiate life. Because any time I got into a college, I would hear you're going to fail. You've already failed. You know, you're going to fail. This is nothing but a failure waiting to happen. Everything was fail, fail, fail. And so when I got into school, I would be gung-ho excited, but I started rehearsing. Failure, you're a failure. You're not going to do anything. You're just going to be in here and have to drop out again. And so that became the record I allowed to control me and to control my life. More on the healing process after the break. Welcome back. Okay, so we're talking the healing process. Healing is a process. It may not be the same process for everybody, but there's some things that need to take place. So before the break, we were talking about me, And my failure, my failure before my family, friends, supporters, encouragers, enemies. Everybody saw my failure dropping out of school after two years. In my book, Seeing Past the Storm, I talk about one of the things that happened while I was in college, one of the things that um, changed me. One of the things that made me decide to live a different life. So I want you to grab a copy of Seeing Past the Storm, which is available on my website, andreajoyce.net. It's also available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. So you can see one of the stories that happened while my failure was happening. It's not the reason For my complete failure, but it added two. And I believe I'm going to have to do part two to see past the storm so that more information is given, especially during that time. Because that time in my life, plus the things I dealt with when I was a child, actually shaped my young adulthood and some of the decisions that I made. So anyway, I dropped out had that big failure, came back home, and everybody's giving me the failure look. They're giving me the, you let us down. How could you do this to yourself, to your parents? You're a horrible person. And though they may not have said the words all the time, it was the looks for me. Every time I looked up, I saw a sad face. I saw a condemning, you know, you know those looks that your mother can give. And they're not exclusive to your mother because a lot of people do them. Well, I was getting the looks. I was getting the sarcastic retorts. Just so many things were happening. So I felt like a failure. So every time in my heart I wanted to go back to school, I would apply. I would get um, accepted. I would have a class schedule. All would be good. All would be well. And then, hmm. I'd go to a class or two, and I no longer wanted to do it. What I didn't recognize was I wasn't lazy, even though I am lazy. I wasn't lazy about education. It was the fact that I failed myself. So what was going to stop me from failing again? So I didn't even want to try and wind up with egg on my face. It also happened that I didn't know where I wanted my life to go, what I was interested in. So I would take different majors and then not even want to do the major. But if I'm going to be honest with you, no matter what your major is, there are certain classes you have to take. There's the core curriculum. So it didn't matter if I changed my major. The fact was getting those core classes taken and done. And, you know, those were the Englishes, the math, the um, what do you call them? The history, psychology, you know, those classes, those were the core. I couldn't even focus on them because in the back of my mind, I was replaying Failure, Failure, Failure. That album was the number one hit, you know. And so I didn't know it, but that's what I was walking out in. I was walking out in my failure. It's one of my fears, fear of failure, but I also have a fear of success, which is a double-edged sword because it's like you'll never do anything because if it's not one thing, it's the other, right? I didn't know all of this about myself. It wasn't until I began the healing process, which was years long, where I had to heal things from my father and heal things about my mother and heal things about failed relationships, heal things about friendships heal things about myself and letting me down and doing things to myself, the blame, the shame, the guilt. It wasn't until I began that process that I was able to even see me and to see the things that I liked. And so I'm still in the healing process. This is what I want to let you know. There are some things that you don't learn about yourself. Like this is a great example The failure, my first big failure in front of everybody. I'm just healing from this. I could never understand why I do want my degree. I am smart. I'm not even going to play myself. I'm very intelligent. And I proved that when I went back to school last year and I had a 4.0 out the gate, never dropped always had straight A's in my classes and I was like why did not do this before why couldn't I do this before What's what what's the deal and it took me time was writing scene past the storm taking the course making peace with your past that I actually got to see oh I've got past issues I haven't dealt with that failure no matter the reason for the failure at this point was what is stopping me from moving forward in my education. There are a lot of different reasons that that failure happened, but here's the key. First, I had to acknowledge that I had an issue with it. I couldn't go further into it if I didn't even acknowledge, hey, that failure hurt. That failure was a stumbling block. It was a whole roadblock. It wasn't a stumbling block because I never got over it. It was a roadblock stopping me for my course, for my destination. So the first thing I had to look at was failure. And then when I got to a place where, okay, I have a failure, I'm I, I failed. I'm not a failure. I failed. And I need you to know that. For those who are dealing with healing and wanting to heal, you are not the problem. The thing that happened is the problem. You're not a failure because you failed. You failed. So now, let's move past what you failed and realize that you still have success and victory within you it's still possible it can still be done you still have the option and the opportunity to resuscitate what you failed in so I don't ever want you to give up on the thing that you want to do the thing that you love thinking I failed one time I'm a failure so I'll never try it again because I'll never succeed That is a a lie. It's not the truth. You need to understand that you failed that time. That doesn't mean you're going to fail every time you've got to get out of your head. And begin this healing process, because just like me, every time I applied for college, I already had the failure, excuse me, the failure mentality. In my mind, I was already going to fail. I was doomed to fail because I had failed so big and I never healed from it. I never acknowledged it. So you're saying to me now, okay, all that sounds good, great, wonderful. How do I heal? Remember I said healing looks different for everybody, but there are some steps that you can take in the healing process. Step one, you have to acknowledge there's a problem. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with me. Something's going on with me. Something is not 100% with me. Something's not right with me. Is it a heartbreak from a loved one, a romantic relationship, a parent, a sibling, a friend, business, a failure? Is it in the church? Where is something wrong? First, you acknowledge something is wrong in an area of my life. What is that area? Then, when you acknowledge something as wrong, I need you to admit the issue. Admit it. Okay, I've acknowledged something's wrong with me. What is it? What's wrong with me? i have to admit it i have to admit that i have an issue in the area of love and here's the problem the problem is i love michael but he didn't love me the way i loved him here's the issue katie was my best friend and she stabbed me in the back here's the issue I've been going to this church for 30 years, and they never called me when my parents passed away. They never sent me a card, flowers. They never even said anything to me, but I pay my tithes and offerings to them faithfully. Here's the issue. At my job, my supervisor's always talking down to me, never complimenting me, never affirming my work. I have a problem. So we acknowledge there's a problem. Something's wrong. Now we're admitting, okay, here is the area where the hurt is, and this is what the hurt really is. Bottom line, let's be honest. Here it is. Next thing, let's take some accountability. So let's accept where we have any fault in the issue. For me, I'm the one who didn't go to class. No matter what was happening, let's call it what it is. I may have made some good grades if I had gone to class. Let's call it out. Yeah, other things were happening in my life. Yep, all of that. However, I had an accountability in this issue. The issue is failing, right? being a failure in college, dropping out. So one of the problems was I wasn't making the grade. I am responsible for that. Okay. My parenting, um, uh, my parents uh, didn't give me freedom. Okay. Um, I was naive. All right. Some things happen to me. Okay. But bottom line, we got to take accountability. If we have any accountability, this is not the blame game. This is not how could you have done this? You know better. This is not what this is. I don't want you to have any blame, any shame, or any guilt. That's not what this is. This is, Andrea, you didn't go to class. Black and white okay i didn't go to class that had a lot to do with me not getting a high enough grade for me to stay in school that's what that is that's honest it's direct it's what happened okay so now i've acknowledged that there's a problem i've admitted what the issue is what the problem is what area of my life it's affecting And you do this for each thing. You may have 30 issues. You don't do all 30 issues at the same time. One at a time, let's break them down. All right, so you've broken it down. You see what's going on. Now you have accepted your responsibility, if you have any, because there are definitely some issues that are done to you that you have no accountability in. So don't go looking for blaming yourself. And I'm going to be very specific. When it comes to molestation, rape, don't you dare say, if I hadn't warned that, if I hadn't gone there, if no, 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 no. That's blame and that's shame and it's guilt. That's not what we're doing. There are some things that are done to you. I'm talking about if there's anything that, You are accountable for. Andrea dropped out of college because she was going to get kicked out. Either way it went, I couldn't stay in school, whether I voluntarily left or they kicked me out. I wasn't going to class. I did not maintain at least a 2.0, which was the requirement. So because of that, I was not able to stay in school. I also have reasons I didn't go to class, but we're not justifying anything or making excuses for. This is the part that's bottom line. It is black. It is white. I didn't go to class, period. Okay, so now we've acknowledged, admitted, accepted, right? The next thing in the healing process is what are you going to do with this information? This is time to assess what's necessary. So you realize that failure, and I'm only using me as an example to try to help So, you know what I had to go through. So, we know that failure is an issue with me. It's been a roadblock to me ever going back to school. Every time I try to go to school, it's an epic fail because I feel like a failure. So, now I need to assess what do I need to do to get past this? Do I have to go to a therapist? Do I have to get counseling? Do I need a life coach to help push me? What do I need to do to get past this thing that has caused me to stop in my life? Once you acknowledge and assess, once you, sorry, acknowledge, admit, accept, you have to assess the situation Is it a thing where you need to go talk to someone? Do you need to be forgiven for something? Do you need to forgive someone? Do you need to make amends? Do you need to go for counseling, therapy, coaching? Do you need to address the issue with someone? You need an assessment to see first of all, how has this been a hindrance to you? Then let's assess what you can do, what you need to do in order to make it work for you. How can you heal from it? How can you move past it? How can you move on? Not sweeping it under the rug, but rather dealing with it face-to-face, head-on, and taking care of it once and for all. This is the process. We're starting this. Do you just have to journal it, continue talking about it, sharing it with people? What is going to work for you to overcome this issue? And then, when you have assessed what you need to do to overcome it, then comes action. Do the thing that you have just assessed. Put it into action. I need to go to therapy to heal. I can't do this by myself. I need help. Okay, let's get the help. Schedule appointments. I, I can journal it. If I write about it, I'll feel better about it. I'll get it out. I'll deal with it. And then I can move on. Okay, good. Let's get a notebook, a pen and start journaling. Well, with my issue, I need to go back and address some things with a person. Okay. I know it's not easy, but you go back and address what you need to address with that person. I need to forgive, and the ways that I forgive are this way. Okay, you go and forgive. Forgiveness is a process. It's kind of like the healing process. (laughs) Very much so. In my book, Five Steps to Overcoming Unforgiveness, these are actually the steps also to forgiveness. So you can use these very steps to forgive. Acknowledging, admitting, um, acknowledging, accepting, admitting, addressing, and action. You can use those steps to forgive. I want you to know in this process, it may not be an overnight process. I don't want you to say, okay, I followed the steps. Why hasn't my healing happened? Healing can take a day, an hour, a week a month, a year, 10 years. There is no set time. The more important thing is to start. And even as you have hiccups in the road, continue. Keep going. Don't stop until you feel that you are released from that pain, released from that blame, released from that shame, released from the guilt, released from whatever it is that you feel no matter how long it takes allow the healing process to process you can overcome you really can you can be your own hero once you have taken action continue taking action Until, until, excuse me, the healing comes. Keep working towards it. Keep working on it. Keep moving in it until the healing happens. Sometimes you can heal by yourself. Sometimes it takes friends. Sometimes it takes family. Sometimes it takes a therapist. Sometimes it takes a group. However, your healing needs to happen allow it to happen. Give it the time and energy necessary for it to happen. Don't rush it. Don't push it. Don't give up on it. Healing is a process and it's a process you can handle. I believe in you. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's Believe in the Power of You podcast with Andrea Joyce. If you have any questions or concerns, you can leave a message on this podcast or you can email me at authorandreajoyce at gmail.com. Have a blessed day and heal. You deserve to be healthy. Take care.